0: Welcome back to straight, straight to DVD. Raphael, good to see you. Good to be back. What's going on?
1: What's up, dog?
0: Dude. It's been a
1: been a minute. It has we had been a nice minute. little break.
0: A nice little uh holiday.
1: holiday,
0: holiday end of twenty twenty two straight to D V D break. But we're back in a big yeah. way.
1: We Very needed the break.
0: Here. We did need the yeah, it was nice. This was is nice
1: taxing work. work. To, dude, dude,
0: it it's it takes 24-7. It takes up our time. To plug uh, a
1: microphone into a computer and give bad takes about movies that other people dude, may or may not have seen. It takes me 26
0: hours a day to come up with my shitty opinions. <laughs>
1: <laughs> We're working o- overtime.
0: OT, baby. There aren't enough um, hours in the day for us. Dude, what? Uh, we have a very specific episode, uh, plan today for a movie. I think we're both fond of. Uh, Hell but yeah. t- during the hiatus, uh, what were you up to? Did you watch anything that's worth an honorable mention of that you were um, doing? Or- I
1: did watch the movies. I, I caught up on most of the twenty twenty two movies. Saw Avatar in three D at uh at fucking at Lincoln Center, the biggest. IMAX screen in North America and it was still and, pretty and, mid
0: and New York
1: <laughs> yes, and the <laughs> biggest one in New York. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, saw it on the biggest screen possible in like the way that James Cameron intended and it was still meh. Yeah. That was such, pretty much it. That's, that's, such that's a all shame. I've done in the last... Three months. <laughs> it took you three <laughs> months to watch Avatar. To yeah, that's how fucking yeah. long the thing is. Uh, what's new with you, exactly. man? What have, what have you been up to? Um, Anything cool? Uh, any cool let's see. What,
0: what have I seen? Re- okay, so as anyone who's tuned into the show would know, you know, I'm a big I'm a big Marvel naysayer, um, and part of me is ashamed to admit that I watched the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas holiday special. No. I did. Um, really? And, an, and another part of me is ashamed to admit that I kind of liked it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I, d- I did. I'm not going to lie. I was laughing.
1: <laughs> That's amazing.
0: Um, I mean, I've always liked the Guardians movies specifically mm-hmm. uh, in the MCU, but... Uh, you know, I thought it was just I, I actually I found it very funny and very touching and just like a nice little forty minute nugget of content, which is like those don't exist anymore. <laughs> so
1: did, did you watch it on Christmas Day?
0: No, I watched it last night. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was looking for something to watch. I was like, oh, God, I'm subscribed to Disney Plus. Is there anything on there? And of course, like I signed in, and it was the first thing that came up. And I was like, Fuck you, Kevin. And I just turned it on. Yeah. Um, he just- <laughs> I turned it on, but I liked. I enjoyed it. I thought it was very funny. Um, I don't want to sp- spoil it, but uh, it's there's a lot of Kevin Bacon humor in it.
1: <laughs> As like, is he a character or Kevin? Kevin
0: Bacon makes jokes Kevin- about. Kevin Bacon plays himself in the holiday special, okay, and he's kind of in more of the special than any <laughs> of the Guardians.
1: Any of the Guardians? It's yeah. the, it's a Kevin Bacon holiday special featuring it, the Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy. Yes, out, that's true. on Disney Plus.
0: It's kind the kind of the thesis of this forty minute Christmas special is kind of Kevin Bacon saves Christmas. I'm not even kidding.
1: <laughs> okay, I I I was out before but now i'm I'm kind of in
0: i I think that I think you'd be bemused by it. He doesn't love Kevin bacon, yeah well thats yeah, that's the thing. they lean pretty hard into the yo, it's Kevin bacon <laughs> <laughs> kind of thing uh so that's amusing um aside from anything else I watched, um, there really wasn't too much that I hadn't already uh seen before i um as many people know, probably you know we talked about the the animated show I've done. Uh, some voiceover work for I um, you know it, it's if anybody doesn't know it's called Hell of a Boss it's on YouTube it's a very popular animated show uh, created by uh, Vivian Medrano uh, Vivzi Pop who also created Has Hotel. Hotel um, and it's funny I did during COVID I did a couple of days of voice acting work for this and I never realized like I never knew how they found me how the, you know the casting folks found me over in LA because you know we're based yep. here in New
1: York it wasn't because they're huge fans of straight to DVD.
0: I mean, they very well could be uh, next time I see them. I'm going to be like, Hey, you can listen to, yo, listen to our podcast. Well,
1: you know, this guy, this guy's yeah. podcast is amazing. We got this,
0: a, po- this podcast is sick. The fucking soothing yeah. allure of his voice. Let's get him yeah. on the mic. We gotta get him on.
1: Definitely not the um, other guy though.
0: No, 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 no. We'll bring him in for season four. For, yeah. for, for sure. Um, so I saw the creator, uh, last week and you know, uh, Chatting, and I was like, you know what? Uh, I'm just gonna ask a question. I asked her. I was like, how did you find me? <laughs> I was like, what? Well, how did how did you locate me? I was like, because I hadn't really done voiceover work before. So if you're looking for mm-hmm. voiceover actors, like how, like what? How did you find me? Um, and she told me a very amusing story. She was like, well, I have a friend uh, in LA who is also a voiceover actor and an animator. His name's Michael J Rocco. and as everyone knows, I'm Michael <laughs> yeah. R Rocco. Um, so she and R told, comes before J. R, what? Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. And she told the casting folks like, yeah, look up, you know, Michael J. Rocco. And cause they were like, oh, we need to fill in some of these other parts for the show. Do you have any recommendations? Mm-hmm. She's like, here's the look up my, he's my buddy, whatever. Um, and so I guess they dropped the J. They just looked up Google Michael Rocco and I guess I came up. Uh, so I got cast in the show because the casting folks messed up a middle name and then they ended up casting me <laughs> claim to fame, baby. A fucked up Google search. In a messed up
1: Google search. Yeah. That's yeah. It Every is, letter it, counts. Yeah,
0: it is. It is a very, it, 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 to anyone, of course, that would happen to me. Yeah. Um,
1: but I'm, amazing. You know,
0: I'm very, yeah, I'm very thankful that this the mishap occurred.
1: Uh, did, um, yeah. did Michael J. End up doing any voice he, work for the show
0: yeah he's on the show uh, he does some voices for the show, but I think he was meant to play the, the, the part that I played <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's uh, that's truly amazing yeah. but it
0: is it is what it is yeah. Uh, so yeah aside, aside from that you know it's been the same old same here but um Raph you and I with our esteemed colleague who unfortunately couldn't join us this evening Fernando. Uh, Last time uh, You've been in uh, the theater since then The movie theater I have not This was the last thing I saw in theaters And this was a couple of months ago We saw Banshees of Innie
1: Hell yeah The new
0: Martin McDonough film And it's since been released on HBO Max So we thought, you know what It's as good a time as any To chat about this film Now it's so easily accessible to everyone and we're such a big fan for the most part, I guess. I'm not going to blanket statement for his other films. But, you know, we adore In Bruges and seems like, hey, McDonough's got some new shit. Let's talk about it.
1: Hell yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, dude, I was pretty excited for this one.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, In Bruges is delicious. It's a yes, amazingly witty, dark comedy that I think we've talked about on the show. Um, so that's a plug to go check out that episode. Please do. Um, but I think I saw three billboards before I saw in Bruges or anything else that he had done. Um, and may have talked about this during the in Bruges episode, but I don't love three billboards. Um, and I was excited for, for Banshees because um mcdonald was going back to ireland right he was telling an irish story he was telling a a story about people from the british isles which um i think was to me like that was the biggest um that was the biggest negative or like the biggest criticism that you could have about three billboards is that like this is a very uh british irish Scottish dude where is is he Irish it's
0: it's Irish yeah I'm pretty sure it's this is a very
1: Irish dude and like he doesn't understand American sensibilities like I don't know if he's ever really lived over here or anything or if he just like wanted to if he was just like interested in telling an American story so he like took a shot at sort of American like identity politics of of uh 2017 or whatever it was and it just didn't work And I was excited for him to get back to his roots, go back to Ireland and tell like a hilarious story about Irish people. And that's exactly what this movie is.
0: You, um, yes, you're absolutely right. Uh, What's I I love when we're like to a T agree. makes me very happy. Um, You, you literally uh, took the words out of my mouth. Um, I was talking about this last night um, when I was discussing his filmography Uh, you know, we both love In Bruges um, and I'm a big fan of McDonough in general. Uh, Mm -hmm. His plays are amazing. Um, His most successful films I think feel like plays. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, In in Bruges and and Banshees, I think they feel like plays. I think they could work on stage if done slightly, if, if adjusted and done slightly differently. But, you know, you think about what's so ironic about Three Billboards, and I agree with you, I'm not I'm not, as, I'm not that crazy about Three Billboards either. Um, I think you're spot on with uh, the culture being the issue as an underlying sort of um, gravitas to the film. I, I think that he was like, the biggest movie I'm going to do is obviously going to be a Hollywood film with, with exclusively Hollywood actors. And it's an American movie. And it's going to be nominated for Oscars. And you're absolutely right. The man to a T understands his own culture. He doesn't. Mm-hmm. I don't think he really gets American culture. I think he has an, a, a, an opinion on it. I'm not going to say an inaccurate opinion, but a very specific opinion on it. And I think when trying to recreate it, it just comes across as depressing because I think <laughs> I think that's what he thinks about us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so I feel like his as as a wholehearted Irishman. Uh, an Irish playwright and Irish filmmaker, I think that trying to tackle American ideas and American difficulties and conflicts lacks uh, the charm, sort of, of his, you know, uh, UK-based content. Um, and he, even Seven Psychopaths, which is closer to Three Billboards than I think it is in Bruges and, uh, and Banshees of Anishirin, that's still It still retains a lot of Irish charm and humor, um, but I, it, it still leans to the American side of filmmaking. And so I think it suffers similarly to how Three Billboards does as a result. Um, but I agree. I think going into this film when we saw it a couple of months ago, I was so excited because it's, it's the two leads of In Bruges. Um, and it's literally in Ireland and it's just the two of them talking on an island for two hours.
1: Uh,
0: and I was like, that sounds great. <laughs> Fantastic.
1: Surprise. Wanted, it it yeah. was.
0: Yeah. That's, that's pretty much exactly what the movie was.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, dude, it's like there, I'm trying. I was trying to think of an analogy. Like this is just someone who, um, like he needs to be within a specific wheelhouse in order for his stuff to work. And like, Banshees of Inishirin is so within the Martin McDonough wheelhouse that like, it can only be fantastic and it can only work. Like there's no scenario where this movie fails because it's just so up his alley. Um, Like there, like some people, like some directors can sort of like dip their toes into a lot of different, um, you know, genres and moods and whatever. And um styles, but like McDonough is he's like he's a playwright first and he writes plays um about very specific kinds of people who are dealing with very specific kinds of issues and when he is doing that he's like the best in the world at it and this just proves that he should never veer away and like he should never try to make another three billboards like he should only ever make Banshees movies. And it should always star Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson because there's like, there are not two actors on the planet who are better equipped and like more tuned into to like translating what Martin McDonough writes down on, on the page and like getting that across as as actors. Like they're, the three of them just need to keep making movies together for the rest of time because it's a formula that works and like I'll show up every every new release like I'll be in the theaters
0: 1 100% um like I said I rewatched it last night uh, with the old gf and I was I was saying that exact point I was like Colin Farrell who's a very successful actor and Brendan Gleeson as well also a very successful actor they they are so their demeanor and their skills are so tailor fit to uh to portray the kind of dialogue that McDonough writes and the kind of things that he wants to capture on camera—it um, literally is a match made in heaven. It's like I cannot imagine particular. I mean, you know, I could I could say particularly Colin Farrell more so than Gleason because in terms of In Bruges and Three Billboards, he's more at the forefront. But it is absolutely just as much applicable to Gleason as it is to Farrell. They're they're, mm-hmm. they're such perfect performers to convey everything that McDonough's putting on the page and also not putting on the page. Um, You know, you watch, you know, I I, I sit there and I'm watching Banshees and sort of just what's communicated to me visually, not even what's said. And I mean, people, they're like, oh, McDonough's dialogue. It's like, you know, it's fucking amazing. And yes, it is. But the dude is so smart and his performers are so smart and so much is captured and conveyed that's not said whether that's, you know, specified in the script, you know, in stage directions, so to speak or whatever, but it's, it's captured there. And, you know, I think it's a testament to his writing. It's a testament to their acting abilities. And I think it's a testament to his direction as well. It's just like everything you need to understand what's going on, even if it's something as simple as two friends who are no longer friends being upset with one another, like it's right, like it's right there. Like every ounce of the reality of that situation, it, it's it comes across perfectly, and what's shown to us in in Banshees. So yes, I agree with you. I think that the three of them they're the fucking trifecta of Irish filmmaking.
1: <laughs> this, this is the pinnacle of it. This is, it a, is. we've reached the top of Irish filmmaking. A hundred percent. But yeah, dude, like like the opening shot of the movie is Colin Farrell walking through town. And there's like a rainbow in the background and he has this huge smile on his face and you just like know instantly like exactly who this character is like, okay, here's this like super happy go lucky guy. He doesn't have a care in the world. Like life is perfect. He is this small town dude and he has everything that he needs right here with him and nothing can get in his way. And from like that moment, we, right. It's like what you said, like everything that is shown to us, is it's like it's all so deliberate and it's all it's also clear that like you can't help but enjoy every moment that that you're watching. Like there's no wasted space. There's no wasted time. There's no wasted line of dialogue. Um, It's all just like it just it starts. It drops you in and it just keeps going. And the whole time you just like have to be in awe of it because it's so cool. It's so right.
0: Good. Right. And there's such a and I think, you know, I think. This more so than in Bruges, I think there's a wonderful relatable simplicity to it mm-hmm. um like you're saying, Colin Farrell, like he doesn't have a care in the- bo- in the world. he has no reason to. He's on a remote island in his community uh he loves working with animals, and that's his job. He's a farmer, he loves his his uh his donkey, he loves his horse, he loves his cows. And all he has to do is take care of them and fucking deliver milk or whatever. That's all he has to do. Uh, and he has it's a roof over his head. It's the dream. And he I has a roof over, Right. And there's a war going on over, you know, over the sea, and it's not affecting him at all. And all the guy does is deliver milk, hang out with his donkey, and then at two o'clock every day he just goes to the bar. That's it.
1: That's amazing.
0: <laughs> That's the dude's life. That's what he does. And it's like, well, of course, that's what everybody wants to do. I'll go to my nine to five and then I'll go to the bar. That sounds great. Yeah.
1: That, not even not even nine to five. He's yeah. doing Fucking, like a I don't
0: know, like eleven to two or something. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Some and then it's two o'clock. Yeah. he's like, time to go to the bar. Right. And then they just go to the bar and they sit and and drink beers and and have a good time. Um, until one day Brendan Gleason's like, hey, I'm not having a great time. And I think what's so wonderful about this movie is that it is at the same time like a super simple sort of like conflict that gets everything going in motion. Um, But then like when you take a step back and you like think about the movie a little bit more or even like while you're watching and like things sort of unfold, like McDonough is like also interested in some really like, in a lot of like really deeper things um, in like self mutilation and like also like like in like the most literal sense, but also in like these like weird self-destructive um, things that we do to ourselves and like in relationships in the name of something that we believe to be greater than um, than what it is that's right in front of us. But like really like if you take a moment to think about it, it might not be all that important. Um, he's interested in like inter-community dynamics and, and things like that. Like it is a really like, Layered and like smart um, and thoughtful movie, um, but it but it is also such like an easy entry point. Like, okay, you have this guy, he's super happy, and his best friend is like, hey, maybe we shouldn't be best friends. And everyone can watch that and be like, wow, that would be a shitty situation. Let's see how this plays out.
0: Ab- absolutely. Um, you once again have taken the words out of my mouth. Uh, no, I'm the, sorry. The key. That's okay. I'll I'll retrieve them. The. Keyword to a theme that I think he is obsessed with and I think it rings true in Bruges It rings true in Banshees and I think it rings true in all of his plays And I think it's it's kind of there in seven psychopaths and three billboards The man is obsessed with whether intentional or unintentional self-destruction um and a very uh, Simple way of of that coming across are suicidal uh, characters um, so that's why that's a big, you know, that's a big part of In Bruges. Um, in a lot of ways, it's a big part of Brennan Gleason's character, but in a broader sense, it is, it's self-destruction, whether literal physical self-destruction via mutilation, um, social self-destruction, um, or via, you know, telling someone who you've spent all your time with, you know what, I just don't want to see you anymore. That kind of self-destruction or the self-destruction of knowing the consequences of not abiding by those wishes and doing it anyway. Um, sort of how, as human beings, we are attracted, willingly or not, to this notion of doing or saying the very thing that's going to ruin us. You know, uh, it seems like he's sort of obsessed with that. As a, as a, uh, you know, an artist and a content creator, a writer, director, filmmaker. Um, and it just sort of rings true with with uh, you know, all his work. And I think especially here in in Banshees, I think is it's the most effective that sort of idea has ever come through due to uh, this idea, and and this is throughout the film constantly, uh, this passing of time, um, and like what are we you know, what are we doing with our time? And really, there are two ways to look at that. You can look at like, oh, you're wasting, you know, I'm wasting. It's the old adage. It's like, oh, I'm wasting time. And then it's like time enjoyed wasting is not time wasted. Um, So you have one character like Brendan Gleeson who's like, oh, I haven't done anything meaningful with my life yet. And I'm getting old and I'm going to die. And now I want to do something meaningful with it. Whereas you have someone like Colin Farrell who's like, what's meaningful to me is just enjoying myself talking he's like let's have a chat like that's what the guy wants to do he wants to go to the bar and have a chat that's it's amazing it. that's it um, it's beautiful it's so it, but like it's so fucking simple um mm-hmm. and you know it's it takes place in the early 1900s um but what's so wonderful about any period piece is when you watch it and it's so contemporarily relatable because you know human beings you know obviously to a degree we've we've changed and evolved and matured as a society for a lot of reasons but fundamentally at our core our issues still remain and like you know the things we want echo throughout time like you think about um oh god what's his name uh who plays the dimwitted one who was joker in the batman what's his oh, name barry, barry uh, coogan
1: yeah very good
0: um he's like he's there a, he is great he's fantastic in this this is actually i think the best work i've seen him do um you know there the are well yes, and eternal, of, <laughs> of course. The other McDonough film.
1: <laughs> um, Martin McDonough's the Eternals.
0: <laughs> that'd be amazing. Martin McDonough <laughs> doing an MCU film. What the fuck would that even look like?
1: Martin McDonough's Guardians of the Galaxy Three. <laughs> oh my
0: god. That'd be amazing. <laughs> are you fucking rowing Quill? <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: think about it. If, if he if he made one of those movies, maybe they would actually be funny.
0: Dude. What a what a thought! I would watch that if McDonough was like it was, yeah, I'm doing that was a
1: weird here. cheap shot at James Gunn. No,
0: that's fine. It's, it's totally fine. James doesn't care anymore. He he doesn't. He doesn't, he doesn't do it for me. He's um, he's he's headlining the uh, the DCEU. so he has nothing.
1: Yeah, to he doesn't care about what I have to say. No,
0: we can rag on him all, all we want. He's he's untouchable. Yeah. Now. Um. Uh, uh. What the fuck was I even saying?
1: you you're talking about uh, a very kike Oh kugan very kike yes, yes. Barry Kew- how do you pronounce? kugan
0: kugan um like he goes to the bar like it's it's 1920s ireland and they have nothing to do and they go to the bar and he's like there's girls here good ones and it's like that's so 1920s irish but it's like oh that like hello you know it's like lonely dudes on an island it's like that's all they care about (laughs) it's like of course
1: dude let's like us in our early 20s on the island of manhattan (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) what fucking walking into the 13th step or dallas bbq oh there's girls here
1: (laughs) good ones
0: (laughs) (laughs) right that's exactly right yeah the point you know the point being that it's just like It doesn't matter that it takes place in Ireland. It doesn't matter that it takes place in the 1920s. It doesn't matter that it takes place on a remote island. What's going on with these people uh, is universally relatable, I think. Um, Even the – oh, goodness gracious. Uh, I love her in Better Call Saul, uh, and she plays Colin Farrell's sister. Uh, Carrie Condon, that's Mm -hmm. her name. She was great too. She was fantastic. This is, I'm, it was, I was thrilled to see her in this part because I think she's great in Better Call Saul. And this is definitely the biggest role she's ever had, you know, working opposite Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson. But she was spectacular in this. And I was like, you know, for for a, a strong female character where it's like, it's not, her drama has nothing to do with the main plot of the movie. She's just a person who wants to do something more. You know, in in a lot of ways, she's the real embodiment of what Gleason's character claims he wants. But unlike Gleason, she actually goes and does
1: it. You know, she she's the only one out of the four main characters, and you can even add some like, um, some like supporting supporting cast as well. She's the only one who doesn't partake in any sort of self-destructive behavior, and like you know, maybe it's not the most politically forward movie because there's only one female character, like one female lead out of four, but like the other three are like dumb men who do dumb things to themselves and like don't sometimes don't realize how freaking dumb they're being. And she's the only one with like the wherewithal to actually like one, like she she's able to, to sort of bridge the gap between Colin Farrell's character and Brendan Gleeson's character where she's able to, to be nice to people, to um, appreciate that, you know, that small, that small time, that time passed, that time wasted, but also create something that's sort of a lasting legacy in the world that means something. Um, And it's again, like he's not doing anything that's like super revolutionary in terms of like storytelling or filmmaking in terms of um, like how these characters progress or like the metaphors that he's showing on the screen but like, it you just have to be effective in your filmmaking, and like people will enjoy your, your stuff, right? And that's mm-hmm. that's all that he does here, and that's what he that's what that character does, and that's what um what's her name Carrie Carrie Condon Carrie Condon. That's what her that's what like through her performance, like she gets that across to us.
0: Yeah, um, and it, it's great it's great for two we two reasons two reasons, um. What's going on with her works um, individually. It works just for her character from an isolated standpoint in relation to the rest of the plot and the, the, the other goings-on. Um, but what's happening with her also is is specifically meant to contrast what's happening with Brennan Gleeson. Um, she has this wonderful scene with him where she... she you know, she's sort of this, uh, she has a lot uh, built up inside of her, a lot of feelings. um, And she's she's seen as sort of the quiet, weird one on the island where really she's the most intelligent human being who lives on that island. Um, And as a result of that, by all these people that live there who aren't as intelligent as she is, they see her as strange and bizarre. Um, But what's so fantastic about her character Uh, is that you know and particularly in the scene where she's like ranting to Gleason who has this delusion of grandeur about himself being like saying I don't want to hang around boring people anymore she's like you're all fucking boring sort of (laughs) shit Um, and it's great because in his delusions of grandeur he's like I want to do something great with what little time I have left but he doesn't he she does she's like I want to do something great too. And you know what? I can only do that if I leave because nothing great's going to happen here. Whereas Gleason is like in his stubbornness is like, I want to do something great. um, And I feel like you're not letting me do it. So I'm going to ruin any potential I have to do something great and blame it on you.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Like, dude, there's so many other options that you, there's so many other routes that you can take in order to do this great thing that you claim that you want to do. Um, but back to her character really quickly. I think like one of the, one of the best moments of the movie, it might be the same scene that you're talking about is when he's like mentioning, um, he's like, yeah, I want to be like Mozart. Like I want to, you know, who else do you remember from, from the 17th century? You remember Mozart, right? Because he wrote, he wrote some of the greatest music that we've, we've ever heard. And he goes on this big, long rant And he's shitting on Colin Farrell's character for being boring and stupid and dull. And at the end, she she just goes, Mozart was the 18th century, you fucking moron. (laughs) I don't know if that's not the actual line, but that's essentially what she says to him. And it's just like a – it's it's it might be to me it's the best line in the movie because it's so simple. It's so funny and it tells you so much that you need to know about Brendan Gleeson's character.
0: Yeah, he's a wannabe.
1: He's full of shit.
0: He's full of shit. That's exactly right. Um,
1: it, it he like he embodies this this weird, um, this weird like philosophy that I think a lot of people who work in like creative spaces or like entrepreneurial spaces like that they th- think you know needs to be the way that you need to act in order to create something great. Like you know, oh, in order to be a great director, I have to be someone who like yells at actors all the time. Or if I want to be a billionaire, I have to be super cutthroat like Steve Jobs or something. And he's doing that. He's doing the same thing, right? He's like, if I want to be a great musician, I have to be a dick to my best friend. Where you could, you know, write some beautiful music and also like still be nice to your best friend, or just like leave in a shearing. Like there are so many other things that you can do, and like it doesn't mean that you have to be a dick. And I think. McDonough is like very obviously taking um, taking shots at like probably people who are within his profession who he's like worked with and met who believe these sort of things. I'm like, no, you can make something cool and also not be a total asshole.
0: Right. <laughs> right. That's exactly. <laughs> or you right. could be
1: a total asshole um, and a complete failure too. Right, so, like, right. What's the point in that?
0: Um. You know, there, I think there's a wonder, it's something that I think is not explicitly um, spelt out to us, but I think it's very prominent in what we're watching where, you know, Gleason, he's, he's, a, he's a talker. He's not a doer. Um, you know, he says, I want to be remembered for writing great music, right? And sure, he's writing this little tune, like three parts of this little tune or whatever, but he's not doing anything with it like nobody on inishiran is going to like publish this music or anything like he's not taking any steps forward to share this music with anyone aside from the drunks who go to the, the pub um so it's like you know it's this wonderful idiosync- idiosyncrasy he has where he says one thing Um, But he does another. And it's because he doesn't really give a shit. Um, And he he doesn't at all. And and, and he knows this. He's a smart guy. He knows this too. He's very depressed. He's very self-destructive. And he knows that he's not going to be remembered. And so what does he do? He blames his dull friend for that. His friend is the excuse for why he isn't remembered. Whether he really believes that or he's just doing it to make himself feel better, that's what he does. He is the villain of the movie.
1: He is. How can you, how can you watch this and not side with Colin Farrell yes. and, his, and his cute little puppy dog eyes?
0: Dude, he just wants to hang out with his donkey and go to the bar with his best friend. That's all he wants. That's <laughs> all he wants to do.
1: Um, I think I think this might all be the same scene um, that I'm referring to, but I think the other best line in the movie is when Gleason is laying into to Colin Farrell about um, about being boring and like you know not creating anything great and being so simple minded, and um, and Colin Farrell's just like, yeah, but my mom was nice, and I remember her, and it's just like it's the most cutting thing that I, that I've heard in, in a movie in, in, in so long. Like it was like, a, it was a weird reminder that, you know um, you know, what's the saying in, in, in corporate America, it's uh, people won't remember um, you know, the, the targets that you hit or the, the metrics that you produce or whatever, they'll remember how you made them feel. And like when Colin Farrell says that his mom was nice and he remembers her, that's like the most real line of the movie, you know? You can you can create all of the music that you want. You can write all of your little fiddle diddles, ditties, or whatever the hell you want to do. But, like, th- the reality is, like, they're probably not going to be that good. And people will remember you for how you treated them and how you made them feel. So, like, don't be an asshole, I think, right. is the right. ultimate thesis of this movie. Like, don't be a jerk. <laughs> especially right. to people who care about you. Like,
0: um, You know, it, it, it's wonderful too, because, you know, Mozart has been dead for, you know, almost 200 years by this point. He doesn't fucking care that some guy in Ireland knows who he is. <laughs> he's fucking dead. He doesn't care. Um, And like, also what's so wonderful about what comes after that scene where he's like, nobody remembers anybody who was nice. It cuts to a picture of Jesus Christ hanging above Colin Farrell's <laughs> bed. <head. laughs> it's like, uh...
1: The most remembered person mm. in history.
0: <laughs> yeah, for doing the right thing. <laughs> I guess. It's like, mm. Yeah. This <laughs> yeah. Gleason's Brennan Gleeson's bullshit.
1: <laughs> Again, McDonough's is not subtle, but it's, it's all effective, and it it really just it keeps things going and it keeps you it keeps you like locked in and, and engaged with the movie and in, in like a really in a really important way
0: mm mm-hmm. um, we've we've done a pretty good job sort of of avoiding major spoilers here so I think we should mm-hmm. we should stick with that but there's there's a lot to the climax of the film I think um, you know i think the f- the film is very funny in a way that only McDonough can be um and it's obviously also very dark and sad at points too um but in spite of all the terrible shit that happens i i think that the end of the film and i kind of feel this way about in Bruges as well um it's somewhat optimistic uh you know it, i'll just say Bruges spoilers here cuz we talked about it in the movie's been out for ages but, you know, the, it, there's a reason that the last line of Imbrugia is for a guy who's been trying to kill himself for two hours. There's a reason the last line of that movie is when he's about to die, he says, I really wish I won't die. There's a reason that he leaves us with that. Um, and I think it's a very self-destructive humanistic thing where it's like, oh, you know... We think there's no way out, or we think there's no way through, and we think the only way out is, you know, to destroy ourselves. When the truth is, when we're sitting in a burning house, we're going to get up and walk out of that house. Mm-hmm. Why? There's a thousand reasons why. But the point is that we're going to. Um, it's kind
1: of a push come to shove thing. Right. So like why right. why why wait for that?
0: Right. Um and I think I, I think that that's McDonough's way of saying, you know, there's a lot of bad shit that everybody has to deal with and, you know, it gets a lot of people down, but at the end of the day, we're still moving forward. We haven't given up, you know. Um so in spite of his very crass humor dark humor and um very depressing content i think the dude has a very optimistic outlook on life as in spite of that and i think the endings of both movies uh sort of support that idea
1: 100 to- percent, totally agree you stole the words right out of my mouth
0: dude my fucking turn
1: <laughs> <laughs> um yeah man i mean it this is I've only seen in in Bruges, Three Billboards and Banshees and in Bruges and Banshees are like total like companion pieces. Um, It would be like the best double feature ever to watch them back to back. Mm-hmm. And then you'll just like totally understand like what, like who Martin McDonough is as a, as a filmmaker and as a creative and as a thinker. And that's like, that's all you need um but it was i mean besides like the obvious connections of the the direct same director and same two leads like uh, on a thematic level even though narratively they're about two very different things and evolve in two very different ways um thematically like these movies could not be more in line with with each with each other in terms of like what they're trying to get across to an audience
0: yeah i think um I think they're about the same thing. Um, you know, like you're saying, the, uh, you know, the actual stories themselves and the things that are happening are, are very different, of course. But in terms of like, when you really get down to the point of what's happening and what's being communicated to us visually uh, and, and audibly, it's the, the two movies, they're, they're about the same thing. They're, they're about people who shouldn't have any reason to go on, and yet they choose to. Uh, whether they want to or not, they choose to go on. Um, and it's only in the face of Armageddon, even though all they've done is wish for Armageddon, that they're like, mm, you know what? I don't want this to happen.
1: And, and think- in a way, try to create that that Armageddon. <laughs>
0: Yeah, right, exactly. Uh, it's almost like uh, McDonough's communicating about, like, you know, crying for help. Um, like, uh, you know, cutting off all the fingers on my hand as a fiddle player. I, that Hello, this is a cry for help. Like, this man needs help. I need help. Um and it's funny because everybody else in town is like, we're just going to leave him alone because he wants to be left alone. But Colin Farrell's like, no, this is my friend. There's something <laughs> wrong else? with him. I'm not going to leave him alone. Even if he tells me if I don't, he'll just keep cutting off more fingers. Uh, that's kind of a big spoiler, but whatever. Um, whatever. You, it you, come, you, it you,
1: comes early stuff. enough in the movie.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, so, you know, I think, uh, I think it's just a wonderful sentiment that McDonough has where he's like, you know, we can we we will literally walk to the edge of the cliff, but we're not going to jump. We're not going to jump. Uh, I think that's a very valiant way of looking at humanity and, you know, anybody who's really at their lowest of lows. It's like, you know what? Not only. Do we not have to jump? But we're not going to. We're
1: yeah, going I, to. I would even take it a step further and say he he wants us to not even take the walk because yeah. he he sees it as a as a silly exercise and an unnecessary exercise. Um, I think he sees more in us as people as humanity. Um, I think he knows that we all. As much as we all take that walk, um, we know that we shouldn't be taking it. And he is, like, urging us to prevent ourselves from even taking the walk and pushing ourselves to that point of, of Armageddon.
0: R- right. How, because he
1: knows that we're, we're going to turn around. So why even do it?
0: Right. How, how futile and meaningless that walk is. And how present that is in Imbruges and uh, Banshees of Anishirin. You watch those movies, and by the time the credits roll, you think about everything that happened and how essentially pointless everything was that happened. It's like none of this had to happen if it weren't for proactive self-destruction. None of this had to happen. For the most part, we're ending up Right where we we essentially have started, just maybe a little more miserable and a little more insightful. Yeah, <laughs> um, it was pointless. It was fucking pointless. Uh, and it's wonderful. I think it's pointless. Yeah, it was fucking pointless. Um, but it certainly wasn't fucking boring. It was entertaining as shit.
1: Yeah, man, it's it's what a nice tight hour forty minutes. Yeah, no fat on it. Nope. Very entertaining. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say I think this was one of my favorite theater experiences in quite some time. I think these are the kinds of movies that people need to go see in in theaters. We had a great, yes. um, we had a great audience, a great crowd. Everyone was laughing. Uh, Fernando, especially, <laughs> um, you could you could hear him three theaters down. But like, this is a movie that. Um, I, I don't know like what your experience was like watching it at home but this is a movie that like one you need you need to be around people because it's funny and like the laughter was totally infectious in in that in the theater that we were in um everyone and everyone like knew the right moments to laugh like they understood the jokes that were maybe a little bit more subtle um which is cool like you hate being in a, in a theater where like you're the only one who's laughing at a particular joke, and you're like, "Did everyone else just miss that?" Like everyone was on the same page, um, but also just like, I think like um, like the way that this movie was was sort of like shot and presented to us, um, and and acted on screen is like something that very much so um, lends itself to a bigger screen. Like those like super personal. Mm-hmm conversations, um, those super emotional conversations that are happening between characters, like the way that those play out on screen, when, when you can like see like all of the emotion in an actor's face as they're giving a performance and reading lines, like yeah, that stuff where like you think just explosions, it makes a difference of how big the screen is. Those emotions totally make a difference uh, in terms of you know how big of a screen you're watching it on. Um, and I like, I don't know what, what the economics of this movie ended up being, I I assume it ended up making money because it was probably made for, like, pretty cheap. But, like, this is, these are the kinds of movies that people should should check out in theaters. And if we don't, then, like, we will lose them forever.
0: Absolutely. Um, You know, it was, it it really felt like, when we went to see it, it literally felt like we were in an auditorium full of Martin McDonough fans. Like, people, Mm -hmm. everybody who was there knew what he was trying to do. Uh, and when, you know, when his zingers came, they landed and it's just like, everybody laughed. Um, I hope that that would be the case for most audiences who would see it. You know, I sort of feel about the film the same way I do in Bruges. It's like, it's, it's a very particular, uh, sort of taste that he Mm -hmm. has and, and something he tries to convey. Um, it's the kind of film that I would recommend to anyone. Um, But I know for sure not everyone would like it. Um, Not to, you know, say that they don't get it, but I just think it's it's a certain perspective on humanity that I think isn't really going to land with everyone. You know, it's like, if you're going to the movies to be distracted or find some escape, uh, this is not really the movie for that. It's sort of not, I'm not going to say it's sort of a, a movie that like, you know, turns the mirror on you and is like, you know, look at what's really going on around you. But it's the kind of thing that makes you think it's like, oh, well, here's what matters. And this is what's important. And this is what's meaningful. And these are the things that I should care about sort of thing. Um, you know, it's the kind of movie that makes you think about yourself. Uh, and I think, I think McDonough mm-hmm. thinks about himself, not in a narcissistic way, but like in terms of existing as a human being, I think he yeah. thinks about that
1: a lot. <laughs> yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, it is. It's a super, it's a super thoughtful movie. Um, and I guess like, I, I would think that the humor is like pretty universal and like easy to like fairly easy to pick up on in terms of like what is and what is not supposed to be funny and mixing in that funny with um, with thoughtfulness and like really good, like dramatic execution. Um, I, 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 I still think that this is a movie that like most people would enjoy um, because it is like inherently a comedy. Like obviously comedies are better to watch with other people because yeah. you feed off of laughter of, of, of other folks. Um and like some of the jokes are are ones where you might have to think twice about whether or not it is something that you should be laughing at, and like most of the time like it probably is um it's like a smart clever kind of comedy like that, not like fart jokes um
0: <laughs> that's true, not a single fart joke in the band no, not one
1: it- yeah, you know what that I, I don't know how much I like it now. Yeah, that's true. Could have used more fart jokes.
0: At least two more.
1: Dude, um you ever watch those um those like discussions that like the like variety and like other trade magazines do where it's like uh like actors like talking about the craft or like directors talking about movies that they directed that year? You ever watch those? No. Okay, cool. <laughs> um but there's one there there was one about writing from this year. Um and McDonough was, was sitting at the round table. And I just thought this was super interesting. He like doesn't um what's the word that I'm looking for? He doesn't not plot out. I'm totally blanking on the fucking word now. Jesus Christ. He doesn't uh Storyboard. No, not storyboard. Um this is extremely embarrassing. I'm totally blanking on the word. I think word.
0: I think I know what you're talking about though.
1: But he doesn't he doesn't outline. Okay. Yeah. He doesn't outline uh, so like this is a movie that wasn't outlined like we need to hit like bang 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 um dramatic steps he just sort of was like okay what if this happens to two guys and then he just takes it from there and he just types away and then he ends up with Banshees of Inisherin without an outline and it's like a wonderful script
0: So I thought you would
1: appreciate that That
0: is it's fantastic Um I mean the dude's a genius like yeah. <laughs> uh you know you can study uh screenwriting all like you could read fucking 200 screenwriting books uh sit down and spend like 3 years and attempt to, to craft something that's not even remotely <laughs> close yeah he's
1: to what, I, I mean what he did
0: with this now i don't mean you yeah. i just mean anyone in no 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 in, no. in general
1: I, I just he's like uh like like top 5 like like living screenwriter. Yeah, I agree. It's I like, think
0: I think he's one of the best living screenwriters right now, for sure. And like playwrights Tarant- too, actually.
1: Tarantino, PTA, and 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 him. Like the dude can write the fuck out of a script. Who's got his my directing? directing his directing is about. like is like solid, it's serviceable. It's not my favorite, um, but like he is fully in his bag when he's yeah writing scripts about Irish people. <laughs> Absolutely. Um,
0: Raphael, we both love the film. I know you would recommend it to people. How would you score this motherfucker?
1: Dude, you might be surprised. Um, But I I, I would score this a a three and a half out of five, um, which is still a, that's still like a really dig for me. Um, That's still a highly recommend. Um, I just, uh, like, I don't think it's, an all-time film but i i do think it's something that um that people can sit down they can enjoy they can step away from it and have like a really thoughtful interesting conversation with their loved ones and their friends about uh about life and humanity and like shit that's what movies should do so hell yeah a strong a very strong three and a half out of five for me
0: excellent it's a good score um when we first saw it, I gave it on letterbox five out of five. Oh shit, when we first saw it um, upon my rewatch last night, like I texted to the group, I still think it's spectacular. Um, today, I would give it a four and a half out of five um, I think that and the reason it goes down ever so slightly for me is I think that there's um I think that there's a little meandering happening um at moments um i actually i think it could be um particularly in the last third i think it could be a hair longer and i think it could be more um focused and action driven and when i say action i don't mean like you know action action (laughs) i mean i mean in terms of Colin
1: Farrell and Brendan Gleason are shooting guns at each yeah, other yeah right, right. across the table to <laughs> <for> the pub
0: <laughs> I mean I I mean in terms of uh for for a final act like characters actively trying to do something um mm-hmm. I think maybe that it could be spiced up just a hair um but I love the damn thing uh in terms of my tastes it's it almost hits what I like across the board do a T. and I would I'd recommend it to anyone, I really would, even if I'm not sure whether they'd like it or not. I'd be like, "This is something I think you should watch." Uh, so yeah, dude, great movie.
1: Hell yeah, fucking great. Do you um, was this your favorite movie of of last year? A hundred percent. More than everything, everywhere.
0: Ooh, that's tough. Um, I think that I think that this is. The better film, okay, from a craft standpoint, not to discredit Everything Everywhere. I love Everything Everywhere. Uh, I the movie made me weep and reevaluate my life. <laughs> um, but I think it, it, uh, the, the biggest downfall of Everything Everywhere is I think it leans a little too hard and is a little too reliant on uh, making fun of popular tropes. And it's sort of a one trick pony in that regard through Mm -hmm. a lot of it. Ultimately it's not what it's about, but I think that, you know, it sort of relies on this one thing where it's like, you know, that these movies you've been watching for the past 10 years, we're going to make fun of all of that and make it relevant and important. And like, that's great. Uh, You got anything else? (laughs) (laughs)
1: It's a little sticky.
0: Yeah, it is a little sticky, but it's an amazing movie as well.
1: Nice. So a, sl- a slight we have a slight. Yeah, those are my two.
0: Those up. are my two favorites. Those are, are two, two wonderful, wonderful movies. Yeah.
1: Sweet dude. What's rad, dude? Another. Uh, we're back, man. Twenty twenty three.
0: First episode of twenty twenty
1: three, baby. Yeah, and the last.
0: <laughs> and the last. We we'll see you for twenty twenty four.
1: Yeah, maybe twenty five.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Rap, this has been a pleasure. Who the hell are you? Working can everybody it's been An find absolute you?
1: pleasure, dude. Um, yeah, man, we're we're back. Uh, find me online at Raphstitt, R A F S T I T T on all the socials, Twitter, Instagram, Letterbox. Um, maybe I'll make a, a TikTok in twenty twenty three, and uh, you know, show off some of my dance moves.
0: I would, I would like that a lot. <laughs> That'd be great. Um, Who the hell are you? Dude, the hell I am. Dude, I'm Mike. You can find me on the Instagram at Michael underscore Romeo underscore Rocco underscore. That's R-U-O-C-C-O. Michael underscore Romeo underscore Roco underscore. You can also find me on Twitter and on Letterboxd at Michael underscore Roco. R-U-O-C-C-O. And you can find both Raph and myself and Straight to DVD, the podcast proper, at Straight to DVD Pod. That's the number two, Straight to DVD Pod. On Instagram, Twitter, and wherever you get your podcasts. Dude! We're back, baby. Back
1: in a big way. We are so (laughs) back.